Our first reading comes from the book of Mark, chapter 5. Mark, chapter 5, reading from verse 1 to the end of verse 10. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus has said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. This is the word of the Lord. If you could turn with me again to the book of Mark. As is our custom here, um, I'll be following along from our reading before. So we're going to pick up the reading at uh, Mark chapter 5 and starting at verse 11. I'm going to read through to verse 20. So that's Mark chapter 5 and starting at verse 11. Let's hear from God's word. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Well, friends, as we take a closer look at God's word, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we we thank you again for your wonderful word. We thank you for this report, this ancient report of what Jesus did that morning. And Father God, through it we pray that he would work and you would work, your Holy Spirit would work powerfully in us. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Well, when I was in my early 20s, I rented a small flat in a block of units with a Christian friend of mine. 
And it turned out in the course of time, my flatmate struck up a friendship with a Christian lady who was renting across the road. Anyway, one night she had us both over for dinner and it became very clear very quickly that her girlfriend who she was flatting with was definitely not a Christian. Because when she found out we were, she took a whole lot of joy in poking fun at the Bible and at church and how we were all very naive in believing in some fairy god in the sky. But one day her opinion on all of this changed. A couple of months later, at the crack of dawn, the buzzer to our unit started going off. Bleary-eyed, we got to the intercom and a frightened voice asked if she could come up for a moment. So in our neighbour came and having sat down, proceeded to tell us that last night she woke up to what she could only describe as a weird foreboding presence in her room. This thing, whatever it was, then somehow pinned her so she couldn't move or open her mouth to call out. Anyway, as we listened on wide-eyed, she told us that this demonic presence didn't release her till it started getting light. Once gone, as her flatmate was away at the time, on went her dressing gown and straight over to our place she came, not only to feel safe, but also, number one, to apologise for making fun of our faith, and number two, find out exactly who this Jesus is and what he's done. And it wasn't long after that she gave her life to the Lord. Now friends, normally at this point I would show how my opening story connects to the passage today. But this morning I don't really have to do that, do I? As the dark spiritual realm that my friend experienced is clearly on full display in this encounter before us. Indeed, out of all of Jesus' dealings with the demonic, this one stands out as the most memorable and dramatic by far. Reported in detail, not only by Mark, but also by Luke and Matthew as well. But friends, the Gospel writers don't go into detail simply because what happened that day was memorable. No, they give us the specifics because there is much we can learn from this encounter. Well, how can our ordinary lives be taught by such an extraordinary event? Well, let's go, let's go to it now. Have another look at how Mark begins this story. He writes, They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Now, friends, because we today obviously live in a completely different country at a completely different time, this little detail about where the disciples hit shore pretty much means nothing at all to us at all, does it? But if you lived back in the first century, your ears have now pricked up. As you now know that Jesus and the disciples have crossed Israel's border. They are now on non-Jewish, other God-worshipping, pagan soil. A fact clearly demonstrated later on when we find out that the people who lived there farmed pigs. An animal that no Jew would go near, let alone eat. And so before anything else happens, as soon as you read Gerasenes, you're already feeling the darkness 
For this is a region where the true ruler, the true God, is rejected for other rulers and authorities in the unseen realm. A place where they are sought after, prayed to and obeyed. And so Gerasenes equals darkness. But friends, things are about to get a whole lot darker. Verse 2, have a look at it. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs. So just pausing it there, not only have they hit shore at the region of the Gerasenes, but out of all places they could have pulled in, Jesus guides them directly to a major pagan burial site. So dark region generally and dark region specifically. And no sooner had they jumped ashore that the darkness manifests literally as this crazed being comes out of one of the tombs and starts bolting towards their boat. And as he comes hurtling down the hill, yelling and screaming, the disciples, as they backed back towards the boat, must have been like, is this a man or beast? And if a man, how is it that he is allowed to roam wild like this? And so Mark now fills us in, doesn't he? This man, he writes, verse 3, lived in the tombs. And no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Now, friends, when you read this, I don't know about you, but it makes me wonder, what is this man's story? What's his backstory? What happened? What saw himself open up to being demonised like this? How could it have possibly been the promise of the type of superhuman strength Mark tells us about right here? Now, take your worship of the powerful gods to the next level by letting us in. All of us in and we'll combine and share all of our strength and power with you. And that's more than a possible scenario, isn't it? Especially because we know that the promise of power is an oldie but a goodie when it comes to Satan's playbook. Now think of the first big promise to Adam and Eve in the garden. Take a bite and I'm telling you that you will be like God. How about when he comes to Jesus in the wilderness? Bow down and worship me and all of this will be yours. The promises vary but the theme is always the same. Not in your weakness, he is strong, but forget your weakness, I will make you strong. The tempting whisper always comes to us with a promise of the bigger, the better, the greater, doesn't it? 
hang on, hang on, what about the fine print? Don't worry about that. She'll be right. Just sign here, here and here. And so at some point, this man does precisely that. And he gets the power, but also the consequences. And those consequences are clearly horrific. Cutting himself as if somehow trying to get rid of what's going on inside of him. So tormented by what he has become that he lives among the tombs, sleeps in them as if he is seeking death but can't find it. But one day this tortured soul looks up and he sees this boat heading straight for the spot that no one now dares to go. And as he watches it inch closer and closer, he finally makes out who is in in this boat with those other men. And his response to this is truly remarkable, isn't it? Now, fighting the demons every inch of the way, as they surely want him to head the other way, this man makes it to Jesus. Our NIVs then tells us he falls on his knees before him. But friends, if you have a more literal version, verse 6 simply says the man worshipped Jesus. But what is now offered to Jesus by this man's mouth, well, it doesn't quite reflect a normal offer of worship, does it? Screaming at the top of his lungs, he says, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Now, friends, before we get to Jesus' response to this question, let's first consider this man's response to him. Because just hours earlier, the disciples all ask each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And now, from the lips of a non-Jewish, demon-possessed pagan, they get their answer. Jesus is the Son of the Most High God. How is that possible? That that answer to the disciples' question can come from a Gentile madman who has never set eyes on him before. You know, there can only be one answer to that question, can't there? And that is, as crazed as this person is, he clearly has very clear spiritual insight. For the demons in him know this one. They know his name and they know his power. They know he is the son who is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And so having recognised him, the demons shriek, run away. But the man, recognising that Jesus is his only hope, runs at him. And having made it, we now get this incredible scene as what is in the man begins pleading and begging for its life. 
And what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus was saying, come out of him. Now how is it that this evil spirit thinks for a second that Jesus would make an oath to the Father like that? Well, let's read on as Jesus now addresses this dark entity directly. Verse 9, have a look. What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. In other words, the one Jesus is speaking to is basically the commanding officer of an entire army of demons. And speaking on their behalf, he continues to plead with Jesus for a stay of execution. Verse 10, have a look at it. He begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Now, friends, again, what makes this thing think it has any ability, any bargaining chip at all with the Son of the Most High God? Well, this is where Matthew's account comes in handy. Because, friends, he tells us this being asked Jesus if he has come to judge before the allotted time. If you're taking notes, jot down Matthew chapter 8, verse 29. Now, how much this evil spirit knew about the judgment timeline, who knows? But one thing it gets right. The Son of the Most High hasn't come to initiate judgment but salvation. John chapter 3, verse 17. So if the fire for these beings is future, what will Jesus do with them in the present? How is he going to liberate this man but bind the demons and so put an end to their reign of terror? Well, let's read on, verse 11. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Now I know our first thought to this event is, gee, you know, those poor animals. And I think fair enough. But our next thought should be this. Their death highlights that Jesus hasn't come for pigs or any other animal for that matter, but for people. And friends, not just Jewish people. For Jesus reserves one of his most dramatic put-downs of of Satan's forces in Gentile territory. The clear and unmistakable evidence of this, those 2,000 pigs. Jesus liberates both the man and the region by sending those thousands of evil spirits into those lesser vessels who then take them all straight into the water. Now the message behind this is clear. As the pigs go down into the depths, so too do the demons. 
never to rise again until that allotted day. And friends, as the water settles, what a picture we have now of Jesus, both judge and saviour. Judge and saviour. And so this evil army that the people sought over and sought to subdue again and again, well, they are finally given shackles, aren't they, that will never, they will never ever break free from ever again. In other words, the prayers of the people of the Gerasenes are finally answered. Not by their gods, by the way, who could do nothing, but by the powerful son who came over to their region to put down this dark army and set them all free. Yes, the pigs are gone, but a small price to pay for the town, for they can now finally recover, come out from under the dark oppressive cloud that they were under. Indeed, friends, in time, the story of the pigs will be a reminder that one more powerful than a legion of demons visited them to free them. And so they respond as the cleansed man does. Gratitude, thanks, praise. Is that how things go from here? Well, let's read on because now it gets really interesting. Verse 14. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. But when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. Their reaction, fear. Verse 15. Now friends, surely this first kind of Knee-jerk reaction will be sorted out by further explanation. So let's keep going. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. And this is no trick. The man who terrorised us is not going to, you know, revert back in a few days. The evidence, the pigs. The demons definitely went out of him and into them. He and so we are finally free. And so the people plead with their great liberator to stay. No, they don't, do they? That is not how things go from here. Verse 17, have a look at it. Then the people began to plead, beg Jesus to leave their region. Now, how do we make sense of this? Well, friends, perhaps we begin, can begin to answer this by asking ourselves another question. And that is, why is it, how is it, that he who crossed over from heaven to earth landed on our shores to release us from eternal captivity? How is it when people hear of this and how this freedom is secured, not through the death of pigs, but by him personally taking our death for us, 
that when people hear of this, don't invite Jesus in, but send him packing. Now forget these people's response here for a second. How is it having heard of the one who liberates us eternally? People see it, see him who has done it, and then demand he leaves their shores never to return. I guess the answer is, we want our lives to be free, but without the one who frees us in it. We want our lives to be free, but without the one who frees us in it. And friends, that is the true madness of this story. It's not the demoniac and what he gets up to. It's the people's response to his release. Their release, now that he is in his right mind, thanks to Christ. This freed man wants to go with Jesus, while the freed town wants to make as much space between Jesus and them as possible. The man is now in his right mind while the town clearly are not in their right minds. Now, where does such a mind, when it comes to Christ, come from? Well, fast forward a couple of years and Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, have a listen to this. He writes, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live, When you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Friends, demon possession is incredibly rare, but Satan's influence and control over and on this world most certainly is not. And that possession, that grip, is now on full display as the town now tells Jesus to get out, be on his way. Through the healing of the darkness in this man, the true darkness that pervades the soul of every man is revealed. And now it is. What will the Son of the Most High God's response be? Verse 18, have a look as we finish. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. How does the rejected liberator respond to his rejection? Not rejection in kind. Not by taking the man from them. But mercy and grace. Stay and testify to all of the mercy shown to you and by who? 
And so, friends, as Satan and his minions seek to reclaim that territory, as those who sent Jesus packing seek to blacken his name and change the story to suit them, Jesus leaves a witness to the truth, doesn't he? A message that cannot be counted, for it comes from the man from the tombs. And friends, as his amazing message spreads far and wide, it tills the ground for the greater message to come. That this liberator himself has risen from the tomb. And this release is now open to all. And so the amazing message of one man released paves the way for the message that all may now be released thanks to the risen Son. Come and hear what the Lord has done for me and you. And so this message of ultimate freedom for all began. Carried forward by countless messengers now, far and wide. Carried forward to this day, despite the darkness, friends, of the age that we all live in. A darkness, though sometimes feeling overwhelmingly strong, powerful and unstoppable, simply must retreat before the light of Christ. Not even the gates of hell can say, this far but no further, says Jesus. The only question left to ask is do you walk in the light of that truth? Walk in the same footsteps as this very first missionary. Like him, are we a point of light in the darkness? Indeed, seeing it rolled back by telling others of the death that sets them free. That Jesus has disarmed every power and authority, made a public spectacle of them all, triumphing over them by the cross. Does your life and witness speak of the Son of the Most High salvation before the allotted time? If not, if the darkness has felt a little overwhelming lately, if you feel a bit pinned down and muted by the enemy, may this story of the Son of the Most High God and the ultimate liberation that he won for you brighten your light once more. Let's pray. Father, what a testimony, what a story of the power of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for the testimony, the witness of his certain power over any other God, any other demon, any other anything. We thank you, Father, that by his word, everything must flee and obey or fall at their knees and worship you. Our Heavenly Father, we recognise the battle within ourselves with that, with the world, the flesh and the devil. 
And so, Father, may this story this morning remind us, spur us on, encourage us of the wonderful Saviour and powerful Lord that Jesus is. And Father God, help us to be a witness and a testimony as that man was. Help our our witness in our walk and in our life and also in our words testify to the great risen Son of the Most High. And we pray this in Jesus' precious and glorious name.